Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 169 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris and this is Chris. Hello. This time we read Golden, The Golden Wolf, book one by Shannon Mayer. At the request of our patron Robin, you may remember Robin from their request for drag queen dino fighters or whatever it was called. Uh, We had a great time with that. In any case, this year, Robin sent us a message saying... My request for this year is Golden by Shannon Mayer. It looks truly abysmal. I can't wait to hear your summary. And with that, we were launched on. <laughs> Just really a right journey. in there. Just in and out. Yeah. Thanks, Robin. Uh, thanks for your uh, concise <laughs> uh, recommendation. All right. If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes, though, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So we do the opposite of what most people do in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet, and usually this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read. However, once in a while, we do actually end up liking the book. Um, For today, uh, of course, you've got our usual barnyard language. And in terms of topic discussion... This book does involve uh, rape fantasy or and also some uh, it's got some like pretty brutal physical assault scenes. So I, I don't think we're going to we're not going to talk about those things in detail, but just just let you all know those those are going to be here today. I got a little content warning for the listeners here today, too. I'm on day three of having covid. So if I say some silly shit here, I'm going to blame the brain fog. Yeah. Uh, covid Chris is with us today. Unfortunately, after a three year stint. um being COVID, I kept free. dodging it. I was I was undefeated for three years. It all came crashing down. I know. I'm very sorry. Got uh, my guard. Luckily, uh, luckily, Chris is you know just having kind of the regular regular experience. Not great, but not hospitalized. So hey, vaccines, boosters. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm still here reading terrible books. You can't defeat me. I'll read terrible books forever. <laughs> <laughs> even even during COVID. I'm trying to remember if we recorded when I had COVID last year around the same time. I don't remember, but... Oh, also, you're probably going to be listening to this months and months after this has occurred. So I guess hopefully all of this remains true and Chris is still alive in four months. <laughs> Nothing bad has happened. Uh, all right. So, Chris, would you like to read the back of the book summary or would you like me to do this reading today? Would you like to limit I'll your time? I'll do talking? the back of the book. You okay. can you can do the rest of the stuff because that's longer. All right. 
and I can still I can still perform. I like to do the back of the book summaries because I feel like I can put on my I don't know, not a voice actor voice. <laughs> All right. So this, Chris is going to read us like what... Unprofessional voice actor voice. Yes. Uh, Chris is going to read us what kind of the, the summary that the, the author and the publisher was hoping would pull you into their book. Chris, take it away. Ten years ago, I died, scare quotes. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I should have known it wouldn't last. Once my family thought I was dead, I was finally free to live, until the day my brother walks into my tiny bookshop. No one leaves the grayling pack and gets away with it. They drag me back, but not for the reason I believe. My mother has made an enemy of a powerful witch, and I am to take the punishment meant for her. Death would have been kinder. The curse? What am I now? It's so much worse than I could have imagined. She didn't just cut me off from my wolf, or even simply kill me. She made me a golden retriever and sent me to a shelter. I'm ready to die in truth now. I'm hoping for it even. And then my mate walks in. But how am I supposed to convince him I'm the strong partner? He needs to help him stop the end of the world when I can't stop wagging my freaking tail. Oh, you know, this whole week I've been telling myself, Paris, you gotta prepare. You gotta keep it, gotta keep it straight face during the read of the back of the book, and I didn't, I didn't. The same thing happened every single time I have read this passage. When you get to the, she made me a golden retriever sentence, it just, if it all falls apart, I can't hold it together. <sighs> well, needless to say, we read this and instantly understood why Robin recommended it, and you know why we ended up reading it. Uh, all right. Uh, many thanks to Chris, who took care of all the incidentals for today's show, including setting up the characters and summary. So I'm going to go ahead and read the characters and setting, and then I will take us through our plot summary so that as we are talking about things we didn't like or liked about the book, uh, you will kind of understand generally what happened and kind of the order of events and whatnot. All right. For our characters, we've got Kinuent. Uh, werewolf lady she goes by kin although in the book <laughs> she says her name is Sinuit, and she goes by book. sin uh i'll, so, I'll Paris, yell I'm about that later put my foot down here <laughs> and say because in the book it's it spells out the pronunciation in the book we have to call her sin because that's the name she wants to be called i mean i'll call her that in the book but she's still wrong about the pronunciation <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's her own name she can do whatever she wants nope Nope, not when she distinctly <laughs> references the meaning of that name and that it is Irish Gaelic. <laughs> so, no, she cannot do whatever she wants with that name. All right, we're going to have this argument later. All right, other characters. We've got um, Sin's uh, brothers and sister, uh, Kieran, Richard, Shipley, and Meg. Juniper, her werewolf mom and pack leader and super bitch. That's just kind of how she's described. Uh, the unfortunately named Petunia, the very vengeful and powerful witch who curses sin. Uh, Havoc and Han, Norse sort of demigod werewolf brothers. Bibi the cat. Uh, and then Petunia's horny warlock husband for whom I don't think we ever get a name. So he's just he's just HW in all my notes. Horny warlock. <laughs> that's that's what, he, that's what he is. That's really his defining feature is that he's a warlock and he's horny. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> That's kind of it. the name I have decided to give him. 
All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read our basic plot summary so you all kind of understand what happened and so that you don't have to read this. Sin is a werewolf lady, estranged from her pack because her werewolf mother and brothers are all horrible. She has been presumed dead by all of them, but one day her brother Shipley strides into the bookstore she works at. Sin tries to run, but her sister Meg calls her, saying that Juniper, their mother, is going to murder her. Sin risks running for Meg to save her, but turns out it was all a setup. Juniper fucked a witch's boyfriend, and the witch demands a payment and accepts it in the form of being able to curse an estranged daughter. The form of the curse is to live as a golden retriever. Sin wakes up in an animal shelter and meets Bibi, the sassy cat, who was also cursed for fucking the same witch's boyfriend. The same boyfriend, too, not just, like, another boyfriend of the witch. No, this just keeps happening. See, seems like it happens all the time. Some hunky guy comes in looking to adopt a dog, and Sin attempts to ingratiate herself to him. He takes her home, and Sin realizes she has a mate bond with him, which means they are destined to be mates for the rest of their lives or whatever. Sin and Bibi watch him jerk off in the shower because he leaves the curtain open while doing it for some reason. Like, the animal he is. There's water everywhere now, you idiot. Han is searching for some lady named Soleil, and on a reconnaissance mission on a beach, Sin separates from him to find a witch to reverse her curse. She finds one and agrees to the witch's price for a potion that can turn her back into human form during the night. The price is her voice, but actually, the witch was the warlock boyfriend of the original witch, and he's meddling for some reason. The half-cure is actually another curse, where if Han finds out about human Sin also being the dog he adopted, she has three days to fuck a prince or else she dies. Turns out the no voice thing doesn't matter, though, since nearly everyone can read Sin's thoughts, including Han's brother, Havoc, whom Sin had run into a few times previously in his wolf form while Sin was attempting to rescue her sister. Havoc also gets Sin really horny just by howling, despite her mate pawn being with someone else because, uh, because Havoc also wants to find Soleil and Sin doesn't know who to trust, so she finds Soleil instead. Sin has a journal from Havoc, which is half in Old Norse and half in English for reasons, with the English parts mostly being, I want everyone to die horribly. <laughs> they bring it to an Old Norse vampire that a vampire friend of theirs knew, but not before Soleil fucks off. The Old Norse vampire says, uh, your friend there passed the curse she had on to you. Now if you die, Ragnarok happens. Since Sin has been on that three-day timer, she has to fuck a prince immediately. Conveniently, Havoc is a prince. The warlock, whose plan really sucks, teleports her into the middle of the highway where Havoc happens to be, I guess, walking, and Sin tells him the deal, and he's like, okay, let's fuck the end. I think I did pretty good there. If your head has spun completely around 360 degrees and fallen off of your body, it's okay. Uh, we can fix that. Uh, just, I don't know, go to a hospital. But uh, yeah, this... No, go to a witch and, like, drink a potion that, like, removed, like, does the Little Mermaid thing to you. Mm -hmm. By the yeah. way, I totally didn't realize it was a Little Mermaid thing until both Rebecca mentioned it and then you mentioned it in the uh, sort of crazy Charlie Day style notes that you had there. Uh, yes. Um. So, yeah. All right. Are we, are we ready to proceed into the things that were good? Yeah. And for me, honestly, like... The hint was that the fact that you were kind of giggling up at the top there. I think the idea of a werewolf being cursed to be a golden retriever is actually pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I is. think that's pretty good. It is absolutely funny if you were trying to write a humorous, like, uh, uh, satire or something. Yeah, absolutely. Very funny idea. And this book is trying to be funny. Yeah. All right. What else do we have for good? <laughs> 
I mean, I, if we throw out all the other content that we're about to get in on, the pacing is kind of reasonable and the editing seems fine. The plot mechanics is another story entirely, but it, this this competence here in some ways in the, the most basic fashioning of a story kind of ways. Yeah, we didn't we didn't um we didn't have any sentences that were like unhinged from reality and, and the laws of grammar, you know, like it was line by line, as you have said in the past, it was easy to read. Um it, you know, the words made sense. There weren't strange word choices. It was all pretty conventional. You know, we're not doing anything higher level here, but yeah, you know, at least it, it seems like it was edited, I guess is what we're saying. It seems like it was edited for syntax grammar spelling you know all that stuff like where to break a paragraph so it had it had the, the skeleton of bookish parts you know we've we got a binding we've got a front and back cover <laughs> yeah. and got some stuff in the middle the stuff in the middle is, is pretty bad but... an ebook is, is is there um the i don't know the World Wide web is the binding the binding is made of the web of the worldwide yeah so it, it seemed like it was edited. There was some thought put into dialogue. It's not great, but I think because this is sort of trying to be funny, the dialogue kind of matched the level of silliness that it was going for. Um, I didn't like it. Oh, it certainly but... tries to be funny. Yeah. You know, we did forget to cover the setting. I was also confused about what year it was, but maybe we could talk about that when we get to my note about when I realized probably what year it was. Well, do you have anything nice to say about this book besides those points, Barris? Uh, yeah, besides like, hey, you had an editor and turning a werewolf into a golden retriever is pretty funny. You know what? I actually do have some things... That I didn't okay. write down, but I think I can recall them. So as I was going along through the beginning, so let's say the first like 40% of this book, I did make note of some things that I thought the author thought about in this type of story that other authors we've read have not. One thing was like, what happens when a werewolf is wearing clothes and they change? And this author very explicitly you know, makes the main character think like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta take my clothes off or like, oh shit, when I transform back into a human, I'm not going to have any clothes on. And I feel like so many other books with shifting animal human characters, like completely just pretend that like clothing is glued onto your body and it just comes back. Like when you, you change back. So, yeah, Animorphs rules. Yeah. So I was glad that there was thought. Paris, what if all shifting fiction is because of Animorphs? <laughs> What if no, that was like no, the, because, the no, because the beauty, catalyst? Because like Beauty and the Beast and like also much older mythologies, thousands of years old, have had shifting animals sure, to human characters. Sure. You made my heart but stop for a moment. Anim but <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that Animorphs popularized it enough in all the scholastic book fairs that it was present in <gasps> to seep into the minds of more people. Oh my God, is that why we have so many people who are furries now? Is it all because of Animorphs? <laughs> Yeah, it's all Animorphs. That's it. Wow. I've cracked the code. Shit. Okay, if you're a furry, report in if Animorphs was what made you feel those feelings for the yeah, first time. Yeah, if you're, if you're a furry and Animorphs was, like, your moment, or if you are into shifters and you're not a furry, was Animorphs your moment? That is different, right? That's yeah, a different yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are totally different things. So I don't mean to conflate 
subcultures here. Um, but yeah, yeah, please write in with animorph feelings because <laughs> I have never read an animorph, and so I'm especially curious. All right, yeah, just some other small things I thought the author had at least considered. Like I said, was like. What happens with clothing when a human to animal shifter shifts in either direction? Like, hey, we actually thought about it. Cool. Um, there was another point where the main character is like uh, worried about leaving her scent in an area because she doesn't want to be tracked. And she was like, right, I got to remember not to touch anything. And I literally was writing a note and was like, what about your fucking shoes? And then like a page later, she's like, oh, yeah, I guess that was dumb because my shoes obviously have my scent on them. And I was like, OK, good. You thought through those little like, those little details on some stuff, uh, which is more than we have seen from a lot of other authors who write this kind of thing. So I appreciated that. I also appreciated that um, their idea of because uh, this is this is one of those like supernatural creature kitchen sink kind of things like you know you're putting together a pot of shit that's in the fridge like vampires and werewolves and ghouls and Norse gods and whatever it's all in there yeah, um, monster mash style fiction we all know that yeah the really mon- well the monster mash you you put all the monsters in a bowl and you mash them to death with a giant potato mash <laughs> it's a graveyard smash everyone knows that it's a graveyard smash um but I did think that the author's depiction of the first vampire we meet was actually kind of fantastic because we're always complaining about how vampires are always like hot and like slim and white and whatever. But like the vampire we meet very early in the story is stuck as a 19 year old whose voice is still cracking. He's got huge ears. He's not cute. Like, like, and, and it's very clear that he's, you know, not not conventionally attractive and that he's still made it through life by being cunning and kind of like using his youthful dorky appearance against other people and i just was like yeah this i would i gotta say the characterization of that vampire whose name i forget grant 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 the vampire i actually thought that was good i thought she did a good job with that i can agree i enjoyed grant's presence yeah, there. So there were some things, you know. There, I mean, these are small things, but there were some wins here. Um, you know, and I say this as I'm looking at the single flower in a field, not consumed by the raging inferno of awful <laughs> over on the right, as the wind is, is arcing flames towards the last remaining flower. Um, so there were, you know, there were some wins here. Um, I think there were some other small things where I was like, oh, I'm glad this was considered. Um, oh yeah, I did. I did appreciate uh, a couple of other small things. So one, that uh, so the the back of the book summary we read where it, it makes it seem pretty clear that like, oh, she's going to spend the whole book trying to fuck this guy. But that actually doesn't happen. Um, she actually ends up not being interested in fucking that guy because he's such an asshole, which I thought was good because that never happens. Like in in any of these sort of romance, supernatural romance stories, I feel especially like especially with that mate bond thing. Yeah, especially with the mate bond thing, I was I was relieved that she was not like, "Oh, I'm so drawn to the mate bond that it doesn't matter how terrible he is and evil he is. I am still going to fuck him." But that does not happen. She's like, "Nah, that guy sucks." And she listens to her female friends who are like, "That dude sucks." And she's like, "You know what? You're right." And I got to say, we don't get a lot of that like positive female support against shitty dudes in a lot of books we read. So that was a little thing that I thought was a win as well. Um, 
There's another point where the main character, uh, Sin, she decides, you know what? Fuck being, fuck being like dicked around by these two guys. They're chasing after this girl. I'm gonna find that girl. I'm gonna talk to her and see what's up. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna continue to trust these dudes and like try to decide which one's good. Like I'm just gonna go to the source. I'm gonna team up with the other lady and we're gonna do our own thing. I also thought that was a good choice. Of course, that doesn't really play out in the way she wishes, but it was a good thing to see in a main character that we don't often <laughs> see. Yeah, so I think um, I think that's kind of all I got. We've got a little little bit of little bit of girl power in here for what it's worth. A little, little sprinkle, girl wolf, sprinkle of girl two, alpha wolf, sprinkle of two thousand one girl power. Um, all right, now that now that this has occurred, where we have dug deep and found some things that we thought were fine, let's talk about the things that were bad. Right off the bat, Paris chapter names. Oh, the chapter names. Why? Why do you even need them? Why did you waste the time and energy to put chapter it titles? It seemed like there was a lot of energy put into this, so I'll, you know, I don't think too much was wasted. Let me just read you <laughs> a handful say. of chapter names. Yes. Chapter Please. one, fuck me sideways with a fork. Chapter five, golden hour, my ass. Chapter six, no paddles up this shit creek. Chapter nine, wet, wild, and full of pussy. How could you be full of pussy? Yeah, that. Chapter 10, Houston, we have a problem, which it's just, that's so to me the laziest one somehow. Chapter 12, which way, which? Chapter 13, all witches or bitches kind of had the same mindset for the couple of days that they wrote those chapters. Chapter 15, 4 minus 2. Chapter 22, when the sun shines on your ass. So I, I think you get the flavor of what we're dealing with here. There's a lot of this, like, it's fun and cool to swear. Like, like the a teenager mentality of, like, what's funny here with the chapter names. Like, I, I don't know how to describe this aside from that. It's like a, like a naive sense or like an immature sense of, like, swears are automatically funny that I just did not appreciate. Yeah, it kind of, it it did have a bit of a... a like a like an early boomer smell or maybe a, a very <laughs> deeply late millennial what's no what's between millennial and boomer the gen x gen x yeah yeah so we're talking like maybe some late gen x or early boomer humor like that i didn't sense until the moment where i realized something was wrong <laughs> which was i'm going to skip ahead uh so there's a part in the book where the main character, Sin, is like, I'm going to put my evil family's phone number in my phone and give it a distinct ringtone so that I know when they're calling me, which I also, I mean, I thought that was kind of strange as an idea. I don't know why that would, why would you need to do that? You can see the number as it comes up on your phone. I don't understand. As someone who always has their phone on vibrate and like never uses any yeah, noises. Same. Because I record podcasts all the time, and God forbid, like, a Badoop shows up on the audio. I just have never understood, like, the custom text sound thing. Well, no, this was a, a call sound. So Yeah, ring, same thing. You know what yeah, I mean. yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was strange. And then um, <clears throat> you don't find out until later what the ringtone is. 
in the end by Linkin Park jerked me out of a deep sleep. The ringtone that was tied to only one place. The pack phone in Greyland. <laughs> Do you think that's because her and her family listen to Linkin Park all the time? I don't know. I mean, this book was published in 2022, and we don't have any reason to think it doesn't take place in, like, present day. So unless this is actually set in the year, like, 1999, and the author just never told us, it seems especially weird. Just because you got an old ringtone doesn't mean that that's, like, the time period. It's I know plenty of people out there that are still huge Linkin Park fans that just listen to Hybrid Theory all the time. What? That's a thing? People yeah. still do that? Yes. Linkin Park is still very popular. I don't understand the world. Um, <laughs> anyway. Okay, Paris, by the way, what, what part of the song do you think the ringtone is? Is it the intro with the piano? <laughs> oh. it, or is it like the chorus, like right right at the, like, I tried so hard, like right there? Uh. Or is it the shut up when I'm talking to you breakdown? Wait, th- wait, what? There's a breakdown in this song? Uh, like there's a part is that in the end that does the Chris, you're asking me that to remember lyric? pop music from like 25 years ago I have no idea let's see is that in the end oh no no that's one step closer I'm sorry oh. that's the wrong song it's one step closer that has the shut up what I'm talking to you breakdown anyway the point is not whether we like or don't like Linkin Park the point is that it is absurd and ridiculous in my mind to be like, oh, my terrifying family who's coming to kill me. And then it's like, in the end. <laughs> like, why is that the choice? Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what year it is. Sometime between whenever that album came out and now. So I'm going to yell about the pronunciation now. We We had a discussion about Gaelic pronunciation and like Irish stuff in the past when we read Hounded was that it? I think so. Yeah. What is it with like werewolves and Irish? That is that are are werewolves Irish? Well, werewolves actually come from all. There are werewolf myths from all over the world. Um, so they're not uniquely Irish. Um, I think this is just this is just like a you know white Eurocentric kind of thing that happens with authors where they're like, I need cool names, but I also need to not be racially afraid of the people who wield them. Ah, yes, Ireland, Gaelic is cool. (laughs) Like, you know, whether it's, you know, Scots or Irish or Welsh, any of those languages yield names that seem cool to English speakers. So I think that's kind of all that happens, but I don't know. That's just a guess. In any case, this book goes through great pains to tell us that the main character's name is Sinuint, and she goes by Sin for short. But every pronunciation guide I could find says her name is Kinuint, and it would be Kin for short. So I guess I'm just confused. Like if you're if you're gonna go through the effort of making sure the reader understands how to pronounce your name, why would you get it wrong? Or unless there's just some very minor tradition or area in which they say sin nuent instead it's of kinuent. It's that, Paris. It's Paris, just, it's just so that weird. It's probably just that the author thought sinuent sounded better. That's probably all it is. Yeah. Maybe, Go with the simplest right. explanation. Maybe you're right. But anyway, I hate it. I hate it because it's confusing. And I just, <laughs> I just want the names. I just want the words that are in English to be, to be right and honor the traditions from which they come. 
Anyway. See, like, I'm the type of, when it comes to language, I'm the type of person that if people are being sticklers about a language that is currently, you know, used and changing in practice, I, like, find people that get all up in arms about, like, preserving the current state of the language to be annoying. But when you're talking about old-style languages that don't get used anymore, and it is about, like, preserving sort of the sound of that language for historical reasons, then I can back that. Yeah, I mean, and, and it seemed, I think the thing that annoyed me about it is that she's like, yeah, it means like, the, it, I forget it, of course, it means like chosen one or lucky or something. I, I actually don't remember, got so mad about the sounds, I forgot the meaning. Um, but she was clearly referring to this name, and I, I don't know, yeah, it is, it is curious. Anyway, I think now we're going to jump into plot nonsense, which is a whole other thing. All right. So why don't we just start with the biggest thing about this, which is this book is one of the most egregious examples of hand wavy magic stuff that I've ever seen. Worse than sort of truth in some ways. Yeah. I feel like sort of truth had more rules than this. Uh which is an insane thing to say because sort of truth was like libertarian magic where it's like everyone just does their own thing. Fire is bad. It'll all work out. Even when it cooks your food and eats your homes, fire is evil. Yeah. <laughs> but in this book, I, it, it really feels like it. there's no consistency to anything and any magical problems nope. that arise are solved by happenstance. It's not even anyone does anything with much effort. The worst example to me is the fact that Sin gets that curse that makes her lose her voice. Also, when she's in golden retriever form, she still has human thoughts. And who can hear her thoughts seems completely random. <laughs> random apparently han can't hear her thoughts because that would trigger you know the mechanic there in the book is ostensibly well that's the sort of division there that's the conflict is she can't tell him what's going on no, but he can hear and her even thoughts that, you... we later find out that he can hear her thoughts and he knew the whole time yeah so <laughs> but then like everyone can hear her thoughts then because havoc oh. can hear her thoughts BB the cat hearing her thoughts. I was ready to accept Same. that because fine, yeah. whatever. Animal communication. Oh, I'll well, let that were, slide. They're both animals who were who were human and were turned into animals by the same witch. So yeah, I could also be like, okay, you're both under the same laws of a spell here. So sure, I get that you can communicate. But also Havoc's werewolf minions, his like pack can hear her thoughts or at least one lady in that pack yeah, can hear her thoughts one lady. so even if you're going to be like okay havoc and han are demigods so they got thought hearing powers why would that one werewolf that's not a demigod that's just some werewolf lady be able to hear her thoughts i guess she could be a demigod we just never found out but her name is claire so i'm i probably not i you know i mean so why have this no voice mechanic in there at all? If it's immediately swept away by everyone can read my thoughts anyway. Well, and she can still write things down. So I yeah, don't... It's, it's not really a hassle for her at all. So why include it? Yeah. Um... On top of that, <laughs> okay. the dumbass fuck a prince or die mechanism. Uh... Uh, you know... 
that that seems to me like purely a mechanic just to be like, oh, this is why she can't communicate with Han, right? Like you got to have that barrier so she can't communicate with him and just tell him what's up and then have sex with him because then he, of course, he's a prince. Of course, that's how the story would end up. If you if you you're got a, two brain cells to rub together in your head, you immediately know that he's going to be the prince anyway. Well, but Han and Havoc are both princes because they're brothers. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah. like it's just, it, I you, you, when you read this like as soon as you're thirty pages into the book and you get the curse thing happening there, you're like, oh, it's just going to be Han or Havoc that is going to do it. Like it's it's very predictable. So I just got a big old problem with all this magic stuff, man. It's it's it like you can't just have cursy stuff happening that is hand-waved away by like, ah, it's not a big deal anyway, because then why do I care about the conflict in the story? Yeah, I... All right, yeah, it's it's so confusing. I, I actually tried to diagram it out because I was so overwhelmed trying to remember <laughs> how and why each piece was working, and not in, like, a good way. Like, when you're reading George R. R. Martin or, like, Steve er- Steven Erickson, in the bad way, where you keep running into contradictions and going, but wait, that would mean X isn't true then. What about Y? And so I went full-on red strings on a giant board digitally with this. Chris, I'd like you to click on that link. I'm going to read this. Oh, I've clicked <laughs> okay. it. I've, I've, I've been looking at it. For... <laughs> okay. I like that you have this, like, textured background on it's a it cork for some board. reason. It's a corkboard. Oh, I see. I understand. <laughs> so... All right. So um, I didn't have time to do this physically, but I did create an electronic um, corkboard. Paris, if, you ca- if Tanner came home... <laughs> To like a physical corkboard with like <laughs> werewolf shifter romance fantasy plot diagrams, like he should immediately pack up and leave. I'm sorry. No, like that's... don't say that. Uh, don't say that. We're not we're not married yet. I can't give him any reason to leave now. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm just as your friend. I'm warning you. Like, keep it on your computer and like password protected. <laughs> no no it's fine he he loves he loves the show um and not just not just because of me he enjoys it so i think i'm okay anyway all right i'm gonna read what i have here complete with my own footnotes <laughs> after each relevant section so all of you listeners can endure the pain of me trying to figure out how any why any of this why any of this as chris posed a few episodes ago why why anything all right so What I can figure is thus. Horny Warlock, who we will refer to as HW from now on, keeps banging ladies, which his wife, the Witch Petunia, keeps turning into pets and sending off to this one shelter. So HW decides to live part-time in drag as a witch to try to help them if he can. Um, Although he does say he can't undo curses for true debts, so I don't... I don't know. I guess he just wants to keep an eye on his exes as pets, which is like a whole other level of weird. But anyway, that's my understanding of how Horny Warlock ends up being in drag as a witch near the shelter that everyone gets sent to. Since the two wolves destined to consume the sun and the moon live in Venice Beach, uh, the two wolves destined to consume the sun and the moon are Han and Havoc, by the way, near the shelter, and one of them keeps adopting dogs from the shelter to track the sun, which is Soleil, sort of. HW figures out who they are and what they're up to, and he's like, oh shit, this must mean Ragnarok has begun. Given Ragnarok would mean the end of this version of the world, Horny Warlock is not stoked and wants to prevent this. However, 
Once Ragnarok has begun, it cannot be stopped as it is a cyclic process of renewal for both the Earth and gods. And Ragnarok also includes a lot of other events that this book doesn't mention. Like, Ragnarok is a layering of a ton of different weird shit happening. Like, the two wolves consuming the sun and the moon are just one in, like, a cavalcade of shit. Uh, so, we're already, we're already fucking off the path. Like, already, alright? But I'm gonna keep going. Yeah, I, I want to clarify to the listeners here that Paris, like, the whole two wolves eating the sun and the moon thing, that is from, like, actual mythology Correct. that Paris from, is pulling from. That's yeah. not mentioned in the book whatsoever. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> but this is from the, the poetic and prose edits, uh, you know, and other places in, in Norse mythology. Okay. Moving on. Despite not being a wear-anything himself... H.W. figures out who the Sun Eater's mate is, although I'm not sure what the logic is here unless we're to assume that Soleil and or Sven told H.W. about the girl who nearly orgasmed when Havoc howled in Edmonton? So that's my theory. I think that they saw that she happen. She heard mm-hmm. Sin like having a little orgasm on the side of the road. It was like, that's the mate. I found her. That's, that's all I got for you. It's nothing, but that's what I got. All right, so <laughs> he figures out who the Sun Eater's mate is. Which is Sin. Uh, He then launches a plan to get the Sun Eater's mate to the Sun Eater to try to teach him to love instead of consume. So he calculates that fucking her mother will work because A, she is easy to seduce if she thinks she's getting power. And B, he knows how much she detests Sin and how selfish she is. Because I guess they live near each other. Therefore, he guesses that she will sacrifice Sin instead of herself to pay the fuck debt. This is a decent sized gamble, but it works. Next, he interferes with the spell to make it less terrible, although I honestly forget what he does, and Sin ends up exactly where he wants her. In the Venice Beach Animal Shelter as a Golden Retriever, where the Sun Eater Han will come looking for a new tracking dog to track the sun. He knows they will both feel... Yeah, because dogs can smell the sun. Well, they have good good sniffers for tracking smell, and the Sun Lady produces a smell. It's not... Anyway... He knows they will both feel the mate pull and be drawn to each other, even in the nonsensical context of owner and dog. This also works. Next, HW returns to the drag witch persona in Venice Beach, hoping that Sin will eventually show up looking for a reversal spell. She does. His gamble pays off again, and he gives her the Disney's Little Mermaid deal where she gets two legs but has to give up her voice. This part I really don't get unless he truly isn't a good enough warlock to fully reverse it and has to half-ass it with the magical equivalent of duct tape. Sin does seem to be mate pulled to both Hand and Havoc, though, which is confusing. They're not twins, so I don't know. Once again, I don't know. This is just a footnote saying, I don't know. The fuck? Um, all right. Back, <laughs> back, to, back to this. So wouldn't you want Sin to be a human hot and able to communicate with Han to teach him to love? I don't know. I, I don't get it. I think he's just a bad warlock. Maybe he thought if she was mute, it'd be more mysterious and they'd be more likely to fuck? I don't know. He puts a clause in the contract that she must fuck a prince, even though A, I don't get how Han is a prince, and B, Sin doesn't know that. Again, really unclear how all that was supposed to work out naturally in a few days. Doesn't he say I could have reversed the curse fully, like, later on? Maybe you're right. I could have missed it. I'm pretty sure later he's like, yeah, I could have reversed the curse fully, which makes this make even less sense. It does. It does actually make it make sense. Because if that's what you want to happen, just... Why do you put the death curse on her? I don't know, man. I so, all right, all right. So I know I said that Han, Han, Han and Havoc are the two kind of celestial demigod wolves destined to consume the sun and the moon. However, how does that make them a prince? 
He says they're of royal um, blood. I'm like, what royal blood? If they're just the fucking sky wolves, how does that equal royal blood? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible that they could be the children of an upper pantheon of the Norse gods. But like, man, I'm not reading more of the prose and poetic edits. Like, you've already got me this deep. I'm not going anymore. I'm done. So... I think, you know, maybe the, the author is just conflating godliness with yes, royalty. Yes, I believe so. All right, we're still not done yet, kids. We're still not done. All right, next next up, we've got Soleil, the sun. So Soleil, she is like almost a red herring. She's like a purple herring. I don't know. She is literally named the sun, Soleil. But she is only, quote unquote, the sun because the real sun died and breathed on a bracelet, which Soleil took from her since she was her bestie. Yeah, so, okay, can can we pause here? I want to talk about a a note that I have here on this specifically, (laughs) in that it's not like, because they're all after Soleil and everything, but it's because it was transferred over to her through the power of a bracelet, which is how she later passes this on to Sin later. Right. So it's not like it's a, like, bloodline thing that it seems to be implied over here. It's just, like, you can transfer the being the sun through physical objects? That seems terrible! And if that's the case, <laughs> and if that's the case, why do either of the wolves care about Soleil? They really just care about the bracelet? Because they would they they don't know about the bracelet, I think. Uh, yes, actually. I correct. But why wouldn't they if they're the ones that are all wrapped up in this whole sun-eating thing? You would think they would know some of the mechanics of this deal. Well, and the other thing I don't get is like Clearly, they were chasing Soleil's dead best friend first, and then they were chasing Soleil. And what? They do? They just have like weird wolfy sky wolf blinders on. They're like, I can't see who the sun is. I just know it's the sun. Like, I don't get the impression that that's what's happening. Even that, like when they transferred, you would think they would be like, oh, there's got to be some weird transference process because. If the previous sun died and Ragnarok didn't happen and they knew that, oh, now the sun is the other lady who is her roommate, I guess just really be really careful about who you're moving in with people. Uh, yeah, like, you know, watch out. Bracelets and shit. Yeah, watch out. You might suddenly bear an entire cyclical renewal process of the old gods. <laughs> be careful. Check your leases. <laughs> you gotta yeah make sure you read the fine print on that okay but or uh, all so, right so here wait a second here's the other option the other option is the story that yeah. soleil told is a lie and that she never had a friend who was a bestie but it's still true that she can pass the fucking element of being the sun through a bracelet yes. why because that's what she does to sin why <laughs> so none of that makes any sense i i like there's nothing as far as I know, as far as I know, I'm not a scholar on this, but as far as I understand, there's nothing in the... Oh, you're not a shifter fantasy fiction magic system scholar? No, I was going to say I'm not a Norse mythology scholar or Norse history scholar, but as far as I know, there's nothing in the Norse tradition about celestial bodies being able to be passed along via breath and bracelet. Like, I... I don't even know why the sun had a human form! The story has completely unraveled. None of it makes sense. Uh, I'm going to finish, though. So Soleil obviously wants to get the fuck out of the situation, so she tricks the sun bracelets onto Sin's wrist to make her the sun instead and just fucks off forever in a car. Even if she was lying and she is the sun, I don't get why her core identity is such as transferred via breath bracelet or whatever. Sin, at this point, is now triple cursed 
And to break the second curse, she must fuck a prince. And I guess Havoc is a prince, too, because they're brothers. But I still don't get how, just because you're a Skywolf, you're a prince. Anyway, even still, that doesn't clear up the first curse or the third curse, which is the worst by far, because since if Han kills her, the world ends. I suppose this, this is left out along with a sex scene with Havoc to make readers pick up the second book. Yeah, man, it's... Uh... It's wild out here in this book in terms of like how things are supposed to. That's more of that hand wavy stuff that I was talking about before. Yes, it's like, why... ah, just go with it. Right. Because the end goal here is that final scene where literally Havoc is like, okay, let's fuck then. And then like the end all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly just like she leaves it open ended, uh, you know, with sorry. She she doesn't wrap up the the other curses because she wants you to buy the rest of her books in this series and clearly she wants you to buy the next book to see the sex scene that you know we've all been waiting for or whatever which you know, whatever i mean i think it's a fucking tacky thing to do to a reader but this is how these people make money i guess so whatever but do, okay does I have been talking for like 10 minutes. I literally have an electronic cork board with electronic strings and sticky notes because I had to do all this work to figure out what the author was telling me in chronological. Like I had to go back and piece it together because it was so unclear and none of the magic makes sense. None of it makes any sense. I don't get it. You're just like taking random things that you've heard about and slamming them together and like not considering how they fit or don't fit. Like, like Chris said, the, the mind reading is all over the place. I didn't even tackle that. I just have a sticky note that says the mind reading is really unclear. I don't, why any of this? I don't understand. On top of that, why don't we, the cherry on top for me was um, Wolf Brother getting his neck snapped and then that's actually fine. He's alive. Like two <laughs> oh chapters God, later. I forgot. So one of Sin's brothers is trying to track her down uh, and he encounters Havoc, who just snaps his neck in a swift motion, ostensibly as a way for Havoc to seem all brutal and ruthless yes. and whatnot. And then, like, a handful of chapters later, uh, another character's like, actually, your brother's still alive. I saw him walking around out there. But he doesn't appear in the book later at all, so why do that? Like, yeah. It's not like Kieran, the brother wolf, was that important of a character anyway. No, not at all. Why do you have to revive him? It's pointless. No, there's no point. And their explanation for why he was alive again. Oh, he had a really cool death ward spell on. Okay, well, then why doesn't everyone have those on all the time? <laughs> I would always be wearing my anti-neck snap <laughs> death ward spell yeah. if I had the option. Yeah. What? Just just pulling shit out of any orifice this author can find. Just just pulling it out of her ass or ears or whatever. I mean, then we could talk about the mate bond because that's also a magical thing. I think. Um, I mean, we see we've seen this in other bits of fiction that that we've encountered, where it's like, though I have a mate bond, I'm destined to be with them, which to me is the lamest shit in the world yeah. because it it you know they always play around with this mechanic of like, oh, but I'm destined to be with them, but I. I can't because they're this reason or that this other reason that I can't be with my mate, even though it's a mate bond thing. It's just a lazy way to kind of force two characters to have to love each other because there's like a protocol to it, which to me ruins the point of any sort of romance fiction. 
because to me, if I I'm not a romance reader, but I feel like if I it, I I've read romance like things that have a romance yeah. in them that I found yeah. interesting because there is nuance to it because there is no solid protocol when it comes to human interaction. That's the interesting thing about human interaction is the random on your toes nature of it where you have to kind of react and like think on your feet to like be able to communicate with someone else. It's not just like a hard line set of rules to follow, which is why social interaction can be difficult for some people. Sometimes I understand that part, but it's just, it ruins any semblance of nuance in any of these romance stories that has it because it's like, Oh, well we have to like each other, but why? Yeah. But why, why Why do you have to like each other? I mean, not to mention this, I mean, again, the mate bond makes even less sense for two reasons. So one, it's it's a stupid convention to begin with. But reason number two here is that the two main characters explicitly state um, that both Sin and, well, I guess the three, Sin, Han, and Havoc all say, now we don't care about the mate bond. We are, we are staunchly against like following where the mate bond leads. And Sin talks about how yeah, some werewolves just do that, where they just don't follow it. I'm like, okay, so it's, so it's, so it's not a a permanent surefire bond. Then, I, I mean, so that's even more confusing. So it's like, okay, so you, <laughs> so we're playing like hot and cold with mates. Like your biology is like <laughs> this one's probably good, but you don't actually know if that. So I don't get it. If like. If it's not a surefire, yes, this is your mate, and it's just kind of a like, I don't know, maybe this guy, why have it at all? If you can if you can ignore it, what's the point? And then third is that she has a mate bond with both Han and Havoc. How? That's two different they're people. They're not how, how is it a mate bond if it's two different Right, they're people? not twins, and this book doesn't at least at this point this book hasn't set us up to believe that a mate bond could be anything more than a one-on-one like a one person to one person thing. So, oh my God, does this book end with her? Like, does, uh, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. yeah it's going to be the, the wolf threesome. That's yeah, happening. It, and she changes them for the better because they're so evil. And they write in their journals about how they want everyone to die. Before we get there. Uh, well, I guess we could talk about the journal because I the journal was one of my big big no nos too. So yeah, so like Sin is in the is in um, Havoc's house, and by the way, Han and Havoc hate each other. I actually kind of forget if we even ever said that they're brothers, but they're working against each other because Havoc doesn't want Han to eat the sun. I mean, no no news on the moon, no discussion of the moon. <laughs> Did Havoc already eat the moon? Is does he not know he has to eat the moon? Get a nice moon breakfast. I don't know. We're still no no oh, news. Cheesy, no, and delicious. No, no. You, I think a moon would be a breakfast thing because it's made out of cheese, right? Like you want that with some eggs. What I eat cheeses for dinner, cheeses for all seasons and all meals. That's true, but I, I'm a. That's true, but I don't know. I like to add a lot of cheese to my eggs, so I feel like that would be a good way to consume the moon. So you're feeling moon for eggs. breakfast, sun for lunch. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, the universe for dinner or whatever. <laughs> the galaxy for dinner. Um, yeah. And then the universe's fourth meal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, how it works. Um. Anyway, yeah, so no no news on the moon. We're just completely forgetting about that part of any of it. Um. So I don't, yeah. So 
anyway, uh, the books. Right. So Sin's in the basement of Havoc's house and she comes across a very old, what looks very old book and it's written in Old Norse. So of course she can't read it, but there are some parts in English and the parts in English are literally like, I can't wait for everyone to die. <laughs> and like all caps or something. I, I My sh- crimes.txt. <laughs> My genocidal urges.txt. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really something. Let me, you know what? I'm going to find the passage. Um, it is, and to be clear, in, in the book, it's presented as if this is written by Havoc. I know in your notes here, Paris, you say, oh, it could have actually been written by Han. Yeah. Because he's the one that wants to, like, actually do Ragnarok. But in the book, it really is presented as Havoc is the one that wrote it down. But he doesn't want Ragnarok to happen. Yeah. So how is he going to get his murder jollies? Like, if he wants everyone to die... That's what I mean. That's why I was like, well, it could have been his brothers because they've been alive for thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years or something. So, like, clearly they, you know, maybe he had something. Um, Ah, yes, here's the note, mycrimes.txt. Let's go to that location. A bunch of books that looked handmade had been stuffed into the box. They had leather covers and smelled musty. I pulled one out and nosed it open. It was handwritten. Havoc's writing. It had to be. Why does it have to be? Full of a mixture of English and something else. Maybe Norse? But there was enough English I'd be able to read it. Havoc's handwriting was smooth, and it didn't waste space. Economical. That's what Denna would have called it. Soleil is running hard. Has been for months. If I could kill her and end this... Soleil. It always came back to her. I stared at the words. Havoc wanted to kill her and end what? The chase? The next bit was in another language. The handwriting curvier with little pictures drawn in. Doodles. I couldn't read it. I skimmed the page to find something more written in English. Boy, did I find it. I dream of blood. Of death. I crave it. If it were up to me, I would bathe the world in death and destruction and laugh as those too weak to survive beg for a mercy that will never appear. Shivers rolled through me. I shoved the book away. I did not need to see on paper what I already knew. Havoc was a true monster. Nosing my way around the room, I felt drawn toward a small box behind the door. I mean, probably not a good idea to write that out, man. I'm just going to let you know that no matter what your deal is in your life, even if you are a demigod wolf, (laughs) why write it out like you're some kind of, you know goth teenager 15 year old (laughs) that got bullied a little bit too hard yeah and the other my other question is like if old norse is your native language why would you randomly switch to english only for the murder only for the current era authorities can figure it out yeah only that's (laughs) that's the reason you want to be fair come on i feel like if you know generally speaking when you i mean i guess i'm not i'm not terribly bilingual um I'm like I'm like monolingual with like a little little teacup on the side of a language I tried to learn once. Um <laughs> I guess two little teacups. Um anyway, from my understanding if you speak multiple languages, if you revert to talking about or writing about really deep inner thoughts and emotions, you revert to your native language because that's the language with which you're most familiar, the language with which you can most um accurately express yourself so yeah the 
if you're suddenly writing about like god i fucking hate this world i want everyone to die like why would you switch to english your non-native tongue for that like i don't know bad choice the dog has to find out bad about choice it. that's why it's just it's really just there so that sin has a, a way to read that bit well and again there's the assumption that like oh this must be havoc's writing and i mean maybe he just wants ragnarok to happen so that the world can be renewed so that yeah, but i mean it's a cycle it's going to keep happening over and over again and they must know this if they're sky wolves I, just, ugh. Ugh. I don't think ragnarok is a cycle in this book i think ragnarok is just used as sort of generic apocalypse term that it seems to have uh taken in the public consciousness here and by the way, if if you haven't already guessed it, Havoc and Han and Soleil are not the Norse names of any of these things. They're totally different. So, whatever. Um, really, Havoc isn't a Norse name? Wow. Uh, I can't believe. Yeah. What else? What else is terrible? Um, oh, yeah. The whole, like, I'm really into assault, it's hot thing is just, you know, this book... Uh, praise on the much disproven idea that like you know wolves are big buff alpha dudes and and alpha dudes alpha dudes and dominance and fighting and violence is hot and all of those terrible tropes like just think about like an affliction shirt and like all the bad ideas you associate with those <laughs> that's kind of sort of rolling with here um, it's Jordan Peterson in an affliction <laughs> shirt oh is what this book really presents. With little werewolf fangs. Um, I mean, he did. He did eat only meat with his daughter for a really long time, and then he ended up in the hospital. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other story that we don't need to tell. Because, because Jordan Peterson is a werewolf. <laughs> what a shitty werewolf. What a waste of that <laughs> capability. Yeah, imagine being a werewolf and you spend it like oh. doing like a shitty ass lecture circuit about how men should clean their room and stuff. I mean, clean your room, but that's not what it's about. I mean, you should. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not about that. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, in any case, uh, if if listeners, if you're not already aware, the concept of alphas and alpha wolves and wolf dominant like all that shit is not real it was one of those things where like this scientist was is a he's a wolfologist or whatever you call it um he's a zoo you know i don't know biologist specializing in wolf wolfologist. wolf behavior wolfologist and he was studying these wolves he wrote a paper on it everyone blew out of proportion he then is like now nah, that's not what i meant that's all wrong and people are like, no, but we're just not going to listen to you now. We're going to keep listening to our misrepresentation of you in the past. Um, well, it supports my biases, so I'm just going <laughs> to take yeah. it that way. I mean, there's a whole thing. I'll um I'll put a link in the show notes because uh it's it is fascinating the the myth of the myth of the the alpha male or alpha wolf. Um, th so these things again are they're not real. They're not based on anything in, in reality. Um, it's just stuff people misinterpreted for their own ends and it's unfortunately become part of sort of the pop culture zeitgeist and people think it's true so you know this is how we end up with these ideas in these books um so yeah it's just it just sucks to see it again we don't we don't like it um you know i don't know we've talked about this a lot like chris i think you wrote 
I don't know. Do you want to take your own note here? I'm sorry. I'm like rambling. I mean, when it comes down to that assault thing, right? Like, because in every scene with Havoc and Sin, he's actually choking her or like pinning her to the ground. And it's not like fun time sexy play. He is being physically aggressive because as far as Sin knows, he's trying to murder her. Yes, correct. And that's what turns her on. And listen, I again, not trying to kink shame here. If you want to role play that, um, that's fine. But it's not okay when it's actual life and death scenarios that you're describing in your book here. Like if if the t- characters here were like playing around with or they were consenting to this sort of alpha domination sub thing, then okay, that's cool. But to make it explicitly an actual life and death scenario that is turning a character on ain't the greatest. I don't like that. Yeah. Um. Again, you know, people can have their have their kink and eat it too. You know, whatever. Uh, that's fine. But when we're when we're, it's almost like we're we're using something that exists. You know, in kinky subculture to then support these really shitty ideas in mainstream culture that actually hurt people like that's that's the progression we're getting to here i know it's very nuanced Uh and it might be hard to understand what we're saying not not because you're dumb but just because we're rambling there's a lot going on here um yeah but again we're not we're not saying you're not allowed to you know to be turned on by aggression we're saying that Something like this is feeding into a general narrative that actually hurts people, that actually hurts women, that actually hurts, you know, any number of people who could be hurt by men thinking that being an alpha dominant male and being aggressive and physically violent will turn on their partners automatically because that is nature's way, right? So that's what yes. we're getting at here. <laughs> um, again, I'm going to, I'll put some links in the show notes so that um, I will rely on you know, scientists and journalists who can explain these things better than I can in a book review uh, to give you more detail on those things. But that that's what we're getting at here. <sighs> All right. Um, moving on. So. The ending sucks. <laughs> I, I, have, the ending. I have some more things before the ending. But <laughs> we're almost there. We're almost there, Chris. Hey, just hang in there with me. Hang in, hang in there, bud. Um, have some cheese. Hang in there. Uh, <laughs> have some moon. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you say so. Um, I know we didn't. I think when we gave the summary and we were talking earlier about things that happened, we weren't super explicit about the locations we were talking about. So to be clear, um, Sin's family is from Montana. Is it Montana? Is that Wyoming? I don't think it matters because I wasn't paying attention, so I can't tell you. <laughs> it only matters because I have like a what the fuck plot question. So I'm pretty sure that her her family where she grew up, where the pack is, is in Montana. She fucked off to Alaska, which is good choice, um, to get away from them and to kind of hide in a town there. Um, and then the story also briefly takes us to Edmonton. Um, I believe that's in Alberta. Is that right? Canada? Is that in the province of Alberta? Edmonton, I think. And then... I don't know. And then, <laughs> telling you that American geography training, non-existent. We don't know shit about what's on a map. Um, uh, and then the story uh, moves to Venice Beach, which is where it kind of sits for like 75% of the book. So... <clears throat> 
Montana is only there very briefly uh, when uh, Sin goes back to quote unquote rescue her sister Megan, who is just setting her up anyway. And like, you know, she gets captured and turned into a golden retriever. After she's turned into a golden retriever, she immediately gets sent to Venice Beach. Um, oh, right. So I guess Edmonton was before that. Sorry. So it goes Alaska, Edmonton, Montana, Venice Beach, California. So Edmonton and Venice Beach are not near each other. I don't know much about maps as I am a stupid American, but I don't think they're that close. Gotta- you know what? I'm just going to Google Maps yeah, this let's, one. Yeah, let's get on a map. Maps.google.com. Okay, let's see. Edmonton. Okay, it is in Alberta. I was right about that. It's in Alberta. And we're going to get directions <laughs> from Venice Beach, Los Angeles, California. Okay. Driving 28 hours. 28-hour drive. That's 1,770 miles. So... They're not close. Also, you know what I didn't consider? It could have been Venice Beach, Florida. It's probably not. Venice Beach, Florida is even further away <laughs> from Edmonton. It's probably not. It's 2,800 <laughs> miles away. So either way you cut it, they're not close. But in the book, uh, Sin is like is in Edmonton because she's running. Uh, before this is sorry, this is like really early before she decides to go back for her sister, and she's out for a little runzy, and she comes upon who she later realizes is Soleil talking to this guy Sven, who we didn't really talk about because honestly, he's fucking doesn't matter his character. I think he's supposed to be a personification of the the world tree, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so she comes upon him, the Sven guy talking to Soleil. And then she has her weird, like, orgasm response because she hears a wolf howl and she sees the black wolf and it's actually Havoc, but she doesn't know that yet. So she runs into all of them in Edmonton. And then... But then they're also all in Venice Beach when she's there. And I'm unclear, (laughs) like, how that makes any sense. Why were... Th- I don't really have anything to add <laughs> to that because also, yes, I'm confused. So I, my, what I think is that I think Han lives in Venice Beach, so Havoc figured it out and they went there and it just happened to be at the same time. Like somehow Horny Warlock HW calculated that this would happen, but I don't quite understand how he could have calculated that. Because he's kind of outside the whole Ragnarok plot for the, like at least in the in the way the book presents it, he doesn't really let on that he's in on a lot of that. Yeah. So I'm not sure how they all end up in the same place. Like I said, my guess is that Han is has been living in Venice Beach for a short period of time, and they must have figured that out and went there. But if Soleil is running away from them. Why did she go there too? I don't know. It's all plot convenience. It's all just contrived shit to kind of make stuff work a little bit vaguely enough so that you can get to the point at the end where the hot werewolf says, okay, let's fuck. That's all this is in service of, Paris. You're you're like tearing your hair out trying to make sense <laughs> of it. It's all just to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. 
but in like a very lengthy roundabout way where we have to take all these detours that are completely unnecessary. It's like being on a terrible road trip that you can see where the ending is and it's not going to be anywhere exciting. It's just like some small town in Utah or something. It's a white and castle. Like, I guess I have to really do this. Hungry yeah. Yeah, but like on the way your friend keeps making detours into like, uh. you know, oh, it's the world's biggest twine ball. <laughs> like shit like that. I and you're like, I just want it to... I know where we're going, dude. Like, I'm, don't string this along farther than it has to be. Please end it. Chris, I'm going to tell Which you... Which is why I was happy when I got 85% of the way through the ebook and it Oh, ended. my God. Uh, the other 50% was... must have been, like, future book. No, it was... Uh, the other 15% was a look into a totally different book by the author. But yeah, Jesus Christ. When, when an ebook ends and you're at 85%, it is one of the most gratifying feelings <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, I mean, you have a note here about the writing. Do we want to talk about that briefly before we talk about the end? Yeah, because, I mean, it's not even like there is anything interesting happening no. in the writing here. There's not really any rich descriptions or anything fun to talk about. You'll notice that we barely pulled any excerpts out of here because it's it's just uninteresting. Yeah. Like, there's nothing unique about this, I would say, that is worth pointing out. All we really read was like that one snippet you read and the chapter names as worthy of being. Well, I think uh, I think it's set out. Loud. I think it is worth talking about. Um, yeah, just how there's this faint like out of touchness with with the main character too. Just like the the book titles and the whole like Lincoln Park ringtone thing. Um, the main character is supposed to be 50, but of course she still looks hot and young because 50 is old and werewolves are always hot and young or whatever. Because um, we can't have supernatural creatures without them being forever hot and young for some reason. Can't can't be supernatural at 70, I guess, or whatever. Um, in any case, there uh, there's a point in the book where she's talking about her age and she's like, yeah, I'm 51, um, but I look much younger, you know, and... There's these, just these weird things about Sin and the way that she says stuff. Like, she is driving away from somewhere, and she's like, yeah, I got on my bike, and I I raised a rocker sign, and I said, fuck you, as I drove away, and I was like, Raise? That's the wrong one for fuck you. It's the, that, the fuck you one is the other one. I was like, raised a rocker sign? Who's? No, you threw the horns. Like, or, like, but why? Calling it the rocker sign tells me instantly oh. that you've possibly never listened to rock music in your entire <laughs> no, life. No, that, that the only rock music they've ever heard is Linkin Park. <laughs> and that's clearly... <laughs> yeah, and so it just comes off as kind of odd. Um, there are a few other things, too. Just the way that Sin speaks. Her manner of speaking is very, like... It's like the chapter titles. It's yeah. like the chapter titles that I read. That's how she talks. Yes. Oh, right. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is like, yes, I found the main character a little lame and kind of cringy. It's not, I will say it's not awful. We've, we've read worse, but it does, it does make me just not enjoy the book. And, and I don't really know who that character resonates with. Right. Um, and there's kind of this weird thing where, there is a lot of sex talk in this book because the the uh, Sin and her friend, the cat, BB the cat, 
it's kind of BB. She's always talking about like, oh, wouldn't you want to fuck that guy? Or like, isn't that guy so hot or whatever? You know, they see Han jerk off and uh, all that stuff. So there's a lot of discussion about it. And it's strange because they'll be so casually using words like cock and fuck and whatever. But then when it comes to Sin's own kind of like internal monologue, she calls a dick a cockadoodle do at one point <laughs> and uh she calls listen if you're calling it that you're not ready yeah for it. and then she she there's another point where she's like talking about how she was gonna kick she was thinking about trying to get away by kicking a woman in the crotch and she says i was thinking about kicking her in the cooter but yet in another part of the book she uses the word cunt so if you're going for like that harsh edgy like i'm gonna use the bad words like I don't know. I thought that was, I don't know why, but these things really stuck out to me. There were a few other ones too, but those really burned their way into my brain. I was like, are, so why are you using these like silly childish words in the same book that you're like talking about wanting to fuck this guy and how great his dick looks? Like it just, it just didn't make a lot of sense. It's trying to be funny, Paris. Is like, this is the attempt at humor. I don't know. Like, is this a me thing? Am I just stupid? Do I just not pick up on these things? I'm. No, it's again. It's just it's this is the way of the author trying to be funny because cooter is a funny word. That's all. That's all. Okay. For example, the cat best friend when they are in a fight with havoc. This is her line. Fuck you, you fucking fuckity fucker face. That's the cat friend, and then the main character isn't much better. She's always talking about toasted fucks and and fuckity fuck fucks, and I don't know. It's just really silly. I I, I guess we can just briefly. It comes off immature, right? Like yes, it's just... yes, immature and not funny because we've talked about this many times. Like it's very difficult to be funny in text and. When you're just sort of throwing away your opportunities on like, oh, I'm just going to say fuck a bunch or I'm going to use this really childish word for a sexual body part or sexual act. Like, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, it comes across so much worse in text than I think (laughs) even if someone were telling a joke like that, which would also be bad. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That, yeah, um, the ending. Yeah, Chris, like you said, this this book literally could have been she was out for a jog. She heard a wolf howl and it almost made her orgasm. She talked to the wolf and then they had sex. The end. <laughs> like, why did we have... No, we had to do the road trip instead. We had to do the road trip instead. Um, It's just so sudden and abrupt, right? Is. Like, Because we were expecting the book to go longer. And so when Havoc is like, let's fuck, and then we scroll down, and it's like, right, review this book. We, I was like, wait, yeah, what? Yeah, I thought I... I was stunned that it did not then go further with it. Yeah, I, that, again, I mean, the, I, part of me is, well, very large part of me is grateful that we did not have to read a sex scene, but I'm, con- I, I don't know, it was a bad way to end a book, but if you're an author who's trying to make money on people who want to read sex books, then what do you do? You get them invested, and then you put the sex in the second book so that they're guaranteed two sales, right? Because it's always capitalism, Chris. They're all, it's always <laughs> capitalism. Behind everything. Behind it all. All right, Chris. What do you think? Can we fix it? 
Uh, you need to throw this whole magic system in the trash and just redo it, honestly. Like, this is a ground-up rework. Um, I, the concept of werewolf being cursed to be a golden retriever is pretty amusing. So, I don't know, maybe play around with that a little bit more and don't have all these, like, triple-layered curses happening. Just keep it to the golden retriever curse. Focus in on how you can make that more amusing and fun. And don't do all this other shit where you just end up contradicting yourself. Keep it simple. Just one curse, little bit of magic. You already got werewolves and vampires. That's enough. It's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the plot is needlessly confusing and it doesn't make any sense. It's not like, oh, this really intricately built plot. No, it's just a bunch of shit stuck together poorly. If also like if you're going to reinvent like me playing Zelda Tears to the Kingdom, yes, like like playing like just when I'm trying to fucking like get make a bridge and I just slam together a wheel and a board and a fan and like a sail and I made it across. I got to the other side, but at what cost? Um, if you're going yeah, like if you're going to reinvent a fairly well-known mythos like Norse mythology and Ragnarok, perhaps do it with like some thought or care that fits into what is known about that region's beliefs around those things and like their kind of magic. I'm not saying you have to copy paste, but like just kind of picking things at random from a bunch of different places is shitty and doesn't work. You know, please consider your goddamn magic system. Just, just, just like Chris said, keep it simple. Try to make it make sense. Even if, even if it's not brilliant, don't make me constantly second guess you. I, you know, just just make something that kind of makes sense. It's magic. It's not real, of course, but it should still be bound by some kind of logic that is understandable to the reader. Please make your main character less of a tryhard. The whole Linkin Park ringtone, I threw a rocker sign while saying fuck you stuff just comes off as lame. I don't understand why this book needed to exist. What did it give anyone? There isn't even sex in it for people who are looking for a jerk-off session. The author can clearly write coherently, so I don't know... I don't know why she wasted it on this. Like, I I don't know. I Chris, I think you're right. This is a... This isn't a fixer-upper. This is just a total raising and rebuilding uh, with, with that basic element of the story, I guess, because a werewolf being a retriever wolf is, is funny, I guess, but... You can start with, just go back to the drawing board with that and really, really rethink a whole lot of it. All right. Well, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say or? No. I mean, I, I feel like I've exhausted what I have to say about a book about a werewolf being cursed to be a golden retriever. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I. Yeah. I don't, don't read this. Don't read this. Yeah, it's not worth your time. It wasn't worth ours. Thank you, Robin, though. But we have to do it for our patrons like Robin. So why don't we thank the patrons? Thank you, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senior, Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Luchek, Miri, Yanka, David, Julius, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Beast with the Least, Scott H, Robin, Laxdotes, of the Void, the Taco Eating Unicorn, Last Man on Earth 01, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hobbyboy93, Harry, Mason, Renee, Emmy, The Ugly One, Bleach Black Cat, Julius the Nice Dragon, Eastern Swiss, Rudy Bobooty, and our Kofi donor, Kiwi Thang. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. 
Yeah, thanks especially to Robin. This one was, uh, this one sucked. (laughs) It was quite the recommendation. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was... It was a whole lot of. Where do you people find these yeah, things? I, where Where do you find? Yeah, them? that is a good question. I I do wonder how Robin came upon this, but thank you, Robin. Uh, we really thank you for your patronage, and this was uh, this was a great recommendation for the show because it's really the the essence of what we do here. Um, Indeed. Uh, I was also gonna say thank you, thank you to COVID Chris for sticking it out despite despite having. I made six. it. I I did it. You did it. So I'm gonna. You know what? Honestly. I would. I don't think I'd mind being cursed to be a golden retriever. Maybe I'm just gonna go find a boyfriend, a witch's boyfriend, to have sex with, so I can turn into a golden retriever. I don't think dogs get COVID, so that that would be a plus. I guess you're right, but they get a lot of other things that aren't great. True, true. What would you like to be turned into, Paris? If you had to be cursed to be an animal, which one would you do? <sighs> to cur- be cursed to be an animal. I guess I would like to have some kind of newfound power. So like. A bird sounds pretty good because I could like fly long distances. I could fly. That'd be cool. Um, but any specific birds? Yeah, I wouldn't want to be one that people don't care about and just kill. Like I don't want to be like a sparrow or a pigeon. Ugh. I'd I want to be something cool. What's a cool bird? Like a. You're in America. That means you want to be a bald eagle because anyone that shoots a bald eagle in America is like <laughs> I think thrown in prison for treason. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess maybe like a red-tailed... That's actually the only thing you can get thrown into prison for treason in America, turns out. As we are finding now, <laughs> a lot of the real treason stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> but if you murder a bald eagle, yeah. that's the one thing where you will get that's thrown That's it, in 50 years in prison. A violent overthrow of, of the legislature, you're fine. Slap on the wrist. Uh, bald eagle murder, though, that's the end of you. Um, yeah, maybe like a red-tailed hawk or like a, a kite of some kind or... Um, an owl, maybe a maybe an eastern screech owl. Those are real cute. I don't know, like a whole right. list of birds that would be. Well, acceptable. I guess we found our shifter personalities. Then, <laughs> when you write your horrendous TBC fan fiction, don't fucking oh, do that. No, stop it right oh, now. No, stop it. No, somebody already somebody already mentioned that once on YouTube, and I I hated it. <laughs> yes, don't fucking do it. Do it. Put put stop typing right now. Don't do it. Put it down. All right. Goodbye. Uh, don't don't <laughs> fuck a witch's boyfriend. Goodbye, everyone. See you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. 
To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com.